welcome to Tellich Talks. We are restarting the podcast. A lot has happened since we suspended things. There was a pandemic. The Cleveland Browns made the playoffs. (laughs) The Cleveland Indians changed their name to the Guardians. And the Cavaliers pulled off a whopping trade. Did I mention there was a pandemic? Yes, I did. Oh, I know what happened. I retired from television. Ah, how would I forget something so monumental as that? I ended 41 years as a sports anchor, reporter, producer, jack of all trades at Fox 8 in Cleveland. And I retired in February of this year, 2022, after 41 years at the station. I still continue in the fall doing Friday Night Touchdown, our very popular high school football coverage show. But by and large, I am retired guy. There's some civic responsibilities that I have with some organizations, not the least of which is the Greater Cleveland Sports Hall of Fame. I'm on the board and very active with that. And then some charities here in Northeast Ohio. But I've always had the hankering to continue along the path of doing interviews with newsmakers, friends in the business. So I will continue that type of a thing and excited to restart things here on Tellich Talks. We will have guests from Northeast Ohio in the media, athletics. We will, of course, talk about subjects that have wide range capabilities of gathering your interest, won't just necessarily be of the sports variety. So I hope that's okay with you. I just enjoy sitting down and chatting with individuals. And I thought it would be pretty appropriate to restart the pod by remembering one of our dear, dear friends, Matt Lodi. He was a multi-talented media personality who left this earth way, way too soon. But boy, what an inspiration Matt was to everybody here in Northeast Ohio. And we did a episode of the podcast only about uh, two months or so before I suspended things. And then, of course, after we suspended operations with the podcast, uh, Matt's health uh, continued to go downhill and he passed away, regrettably so. I want to bring him back to life here, some of his words of inspiration and uh, how he went about life. So without any further ado, and with your indulgence, ladies and gentlemen, Matt Lodi on this episode of Tellich Talks. Matt, I don't think you figured that you would be a tool of inspiration for a lot of people, <laughs> but it's kind of worked out that way. How, how did this whole very difficult journey begin? You know, John, um, you know, health-wise for me, I started to have some stomach issues back a, a year ago. Actually, it was a year ago last month in December. And, you know, it really just started out like, a, you know, hey, you're getting older, you're 44, you got acid reflux. That was Welcome originally, club, yeah, right? that's what originally my doctor told me. But it kept getting progressively worse and finally to the point where I ended up in the emergency room at Sidemen um, on the last day of April. Okay. Um, it was it was really just to the point that it progressed where originally my doctors had said, okay, this is pancreatitis, which is, of course, inflammation of the pancreas. And I was, okay, get me hooked up to whatever I need to get hooked up to. Let's get it out of me, whatever. Um, they ran a second CAT scan, uh, not a CAT scan, what they call a PET scan. Okay. I don't know why it's all PET, PET, CAT, you know, whatever. Especially on a some, dog scan, too. Yeah, that's right. but, we need some you know, we need, give them a squirrel something. scan or something. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
upon the second CAT scan, or I'm sorry, PET scan that they ran, they noticed that um, there was there was a lot of inflammation in different areas, and that's a pretty big indicator that there there's cancer. Uh, okay. And and for me, it was, you know, and I want to preface this by telling everybody that when I was diagnosed with stage four right away, like they told, they, it, it wasn't a progressive thing. They just walked in and, the, and my oncologist was like, you got stage four lymphoma. The difference between, let's Back say- that up for a second. He's, he, she says this. She, she just she's, walks in. Yeah, she walks in, like she goes, I mean, well, literally she walks in, my father's on my left side, my, my wife is on my right side. And he said, I'm, I, the, originally was a doctor and he had said, I hate to have to tell you this, but this is going to end up being cancer. And you're just, I'm sitting in a hospital bed and it just, it, it, it it's really that quickly okay. and it hits you that hard. So once I had a little bit of time to digest it, um, my, the oncologist comes in and she says, you know, we're diagnosing you with stage four lymphoma. The difference between lymphoma and let's say you go to a doctor and you get diagnosed with say, you know, pancreatic cancer, liver okay. cancer, bone cancer is that lymphoma is blood. So what they do with lymphoma, which is a little bit different, is they diagnose where, where it's at. And for me, it was pancreas, liver, and stomach, and kidney. And then they diagnose how aggressive it is. Um, mine was pretty aggressive. So they wanted to... So that's how you get the stage four diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Right. By the, by the aggressiveness. By the aggressiveness and, <laughs> and how many organs it's attacking. Gotcha. And for me, it was four. So they wanted to isolate me right away, get me going on chemotherapy right away. The original diagnosis was that I would go through six rounds of chemo and we thought we'd be out of the woods. Well, as life would go, it wasn't really that simple. We ended up going through three rounds of chemo, went back in July. It wasn't technically going away to the to the speed that they wanted it to, so they upped my chemo. Um, that was like one of the times you came to visit at Sideman. And they said, hey, you know, we're gonna try a different type of chemo. We're also gonna go through and give you what's called a stem cell transplant, which basically is like resetting your entire body. So the next rounds of chemo worked. I was technically diagnosed with, um, you know, to be in remission. Uh, I believe that was late late August, early September. Mm -hmm. And then um, we scheduled the stem cell transplant for October 14th. So we are now at the 70, 80 day mark. Um, they say the, the critical time for the stem cell transplant is 100 days. So that would technically be about the 24th, 25th of January, which is oddly enough the night of a fundraiser my high school's putting on for me, which is great. Um, but, you know, as we talked before we, we started recording here, you know, I'm still having some side effects. What, you know, um, I've had some back issues the last couple of days. Uh, my stomach has been bothering me a little bit. And it's really difficult to sit here and self-diagnose number one which we did that everybody does that you know that but also number two not to panic mm-hmm. um you know my wife and i are, are pretty firm in our faith and in, in saying hey you know if this is the direction the lord wants me to go if there's something that's sort of reoccurred we'll deal with it so we have an oncologist appointment next week we'll probably end up having to do another pet scan and um we'll just go from there and whatever it will be it'll be you know um i feel health wise though you know just, just the technology and the things that they did for me. I mean, they were so gracious at Sidemen, the way that they worked quickly and the, the oncologists, the doctors, the nurses. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better, you know, we are really blessed to be here in Cleveland because between the clinic and university, we have such amazing doctors and, you know, we're in the, I guess, the cancer capital, if you will, <laughs> of the world. If you're going to get cancer, this is where I guess you, you want to get it, you know? Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, it's a day by day thing, John. And you really can't, you know, you really don't want to sit here and, you know, I can't look too far ahead in my life, but I also don't want to sit there and, and just, you know, what would you say? Just like, you know, woe is me. I won't yeah. do that either, you know. No. So I'm looking forward to March and getting out to Goodyear with the Indians and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll build a snowman on March 26th, opening day down at Progressive Field, and we'll go from there. So Yeah, that's but, the uh, March 26th. Isn't that unbelievable? That's, that's insane, man. Mm. I was talking with Chris Asenheimer of the Chronicle Telegram the other day, and I said, you know, I come home from Goodyear March 16th. Opening day is nine days from that. That is just, that is unbelievable, you know? I mean, or ten days, somewhere around there, nine, ten days. But I'm like, that's unbelievable. It's like, I... Part of me doesn't like that, you know, we're, you know, like, what, are we just going to start on St. Patrick's Day pretty soon, Major League Baseball? But, you know, on the other hand, I know Indians fans are excited because it's a home game. So even if it's 20 degrees and there's snow on the ground, they'll come out. You know that. So. Well, the crazy thing is, is we're, we're recording this on the 3rd yeah. of, yeah, January, of January. It's, it's yeah, it's 45, 50 degrees. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been a weird winter, which gives me a little bit of hope that hopefully once March 26 arrives, it won't be as bad as we think it'll be. But everybody's talking about, oh, it's going to be snow and wind and cold. You know, they play that Thursday and then they're off on Friday and then they got Saturday, Sunday. And the one thing, and I think I told you this a while ago, that's so bizarre to me is that day, that 26th of March, not only do you have the Indians opening at what, probably four o'clock. I mean, that's usual. Oh, but some guy named LeBron is going to be next door that night. And the Lakers and Cavs will be playing at 7.30 or 7 o'clock or whatever it is. So it's a good day. Hey, if you're a sports fan in Cleveland, get downtown, go to the Indians game, and then go to the Cavs game. Because it's one of the few Cavs games I'm sure people will really be, you know, have a vested interest in. Let's get back a little bit, if we can, sure. to, to the whole medical situation that you found yourself in. You mentioned you've got strong faith, mm-hmm. and that's a bedrock for how you and your, your bride operate. What other things, uh, how did folks that you... Uh, come across uh, pure strangers, sure. how did that impact you as you were trying to keep that positivity through everything? I think, you know, when I when I first got diagnosed, John, I wasn't really looking, certainly wasn't looking for attention. It wasn't like I was yeah. seeking that. But in our world of social media, it is easier now than ever before to not only to relate to people, but also to share things, sure. you know. And, you know, I mean, I don't, I think I have like 8,000 Twitter followers, which is nothing compared to what most people have, you know, as far as our business is concerned. But it was interesting to me in just sharing, you know, throughout the course of, of the cancer journey and even the beginning of the cancer journey, you know, some of what I was going through and the amount of people that would respond, you know, whether it's by direct message or even just, you know, and tweeting back at you or whatever. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of comforting to know that First of all, I think it's always comforting to know that you're not alone. You know, the other people have gone through either worse or similar. Yeah. Um, you know, complete strangers, like you said, whether it's people that I'm quote unquote friends with on Twitter or people that follow me and I follow them back or people in our industry. Um, I brought up the name a couple times, Betsy Kling, the longtime yes. you know, weather forecaster at Channel 3. Her dad had the exact same diagnosis as me. Uh, Tim Kling. So, you know, she asked and and she gave me his email and we traded some emails back and forth. Um, You know, people that I've worked with, you know, throughout uh, my tenure in the industry here, places like the Associated Press, um, NBC Sports Radio, places like that. You know, a lot of people, it's interesting because I'm sure you'll you'll agree, a lot of people either know somebody that's had cancer or um, have dealt with it themselves, you know. So everybody's kind of got a story. Um, and the one thing I always told myself and, and I've said a couple of times on different podcasts and everything was I would never 
downplay what other people are going through. Yeah. I think that's wrong to do. I think if everybody, oh, just get suck it up and get up and go on your yeah. merry way, that it's not fair to do that, you know. So for me, it was, I shared my story. A lot of people responded in kind. Um, but then throughout the course of, of time, you kind of build relationships then and you're willing to listen. You know, there's one person on Twitter, a gentleman on Twitter, who's just a regular Cleveland sports fan who, you know, has had, I've seen him go through a lot of ups and downs with this. And every time I see him have a tough spot, I'm always quickly to, you know, quickly right there to tell him like, hey man, I'm praying for you, hang in there, you know, because I, I just think that little bit of encouragement, hopefully will, will help down the road. So. Um, the social media aspect of this journey for me has probably been the most revealing. Um, you know, another story, and I told this to Zach Meisel of The Athletic when he wrote the article about me on Christmas Eve. Um, people in our industry, as I mentioned, but like even people that I haven't talked to in 20, 25 years. And the one name that came up in our conversation uh, was, was Susie Giuliano, yes. who, of course, used to work for the Indians many years ago. We love Susie. Love Susie. She was great. She was the lady who would handle the credentials. At those days, you would fax over to the <laughs> Indians, hey, can I come to the game tonight or whatever? And she would have the pass ready. She, on LinkedIn of all places, which I don't use very often, but I'm on it, um, reached out to me and was, hey, Matt, I read your story, you know, so on and so forth. And I was just like, wow. You know what I mean? And again, just for her to take the time to do that, you know what I mean? She didn't have to do that. I mean, it was great of her to reach out. And we actually then traded some emails and everything like that. And and I know Zach wrote about it a little bit in the uh, in the article he wrote. It was just, it was incredible to see stuff like that, you know? Um, you know, Jensen uh, Lewis, of course, and Al Pulowski mentioned it. Uh, Underwood and Manning mentioned it on the air, you know, because my, my association with Cleveland Sports is probably most associated with the Indians yeah, because it's what I've... them all, but you, right. you but know, the, Indians, the Indians are... That relationship's been pretty special, and last year was 25 years, so that was pretty special to me. So, and just getting to cover the All-Star game and, and getting to do that last year, even going through this thing, was, was pretty awesome, you know. So, um, but yeah, it's been a journey, and, you know, like I said, I'm not... I don't look at myself as out of the woods yet. Sure. Um, you know, they tell you pretty much once you get cancer, you need to really go through a couple of years and then, you know, of remission before you can really, I don't want to say feel comfortable because that, again, that sounds kind of trite, but before you really probably can turn the corner to say, okay, this is not likely to come back. Um, I have another friend of mine who, oddly enough, was in Sidemen the same time I was. He uh, was in remission for six years and it came back. And uh, he's actually undergoing the same stem cell transplant that I underwent. So it's interesting, once again, that I've been able to share some words with him in terms of like, okay, this is how you're going to feel. Um, <laughs> there's some days that are going to be a little rough, you know, because the way that the stem cell transplant works is you go in, they do what's called conditioning chemo, which is uh, basically they give you chemo for an entire week to kind of just, to, see just it... to knock your, well, it kind of clears your cells. It kind of kills your cells, good and bad. Um, it's they such give, a weird, weird that they give it the word conditioning. Conditioning, yeah. They ought to just call it beat you up. Um, and then they re redistribute your cells, which they collected before I went in the hospital. They recollect. They collected about six million cells. They put those cells back in your body to reproduce. But then at that point, your white blood cell count and most of your cells are are like you don't have any. You're literally mm -hmm. at zero which is the scary part too, which is why they tell you once you're out of the hospital, I wasn't able to really go out of the house for probably about six weeks, eight weeks, um, because you know I can go to a store and I touch something and the next thing you know, I'm sick. And it's not like getting sick, like, oh, I got a cold. If you have no immune system and you get sick, you are 
probably going to end up with pneumonia pretty quickly, um, which is something I'll have to kind of relate to him when he gets it done with his transplant. Like, hey, man, just, you know, the doctors know what they're doing for a reason. Don't try to risk it and go to a concert or go to a ball game or whatever. Just be smart and follow what the doctors tell you because they know what they're doing and they've seen these cases a uh, hundred times before so they know what they're doing so yeah but it's like i keep saying it's been a journey and it's been an interesting one and uh you know i don't know it's some people like well you know how how was your 2019 and in one breath i can say oh it was the worst year because of this and everything but in another breath i can say it's been the most rewarding year because of not only the relationships but also just the ability to you know uh, attain, you know, this knowledge that I have not now now about my own illness, but also be able to share that with other people and and hopefully inspire some people along the way. Matt, you did mention faith and uh, almost in passing, but I know sure. it's much much more. It's than huge. Yeah. In, in passing, how has that helped you in on this journey? You know, John, I I was saved when I was young. Um, I've been a churchgoer most of my life uh, at Cleveland Baptist. My church family has meant the world to me through good times and bad. And they've been there every step of the way. Uh, Daily visits at the hospital to text, to phone calls, to come into the house. Um, You know, I I have a belief system that, you know, the Lord will never, you know, the old adage, he'll never get you more than you can handle. So Mm -hmm. I do believe that there was a reason why this happened and happened to me. you know, a lot of times, though, people, you know, we, we had a kind of a we had a really difficult year in the aspect. We lost a, a couple of very young kids. We lost a 14 year old Mikey George, who was actually profiled, I think, was yes. on Ch- Fox 8. Mikey George's parents were members of our church at one point. He had Down syndrome and he got leukemia and he passed yes. away. Uh, we lost a two year old to brain cancer. Um, you know, and part of me wants to say, well, why didn't why didn't they just take me? You know, I'd let one of these kids live. But that's not how the Lord works. And, you know, to not get in, into too much of the theology of it, I, I sort of sometimes had to ask myself, like, all right, what, what, am, what am I trying to be? What is the lesson here? You know, sometimes I think we just, we like you said, we kind of tritely just say, well, we, you know, whatever it is, it'll be, you know. But like, I always, I'm trying to look for more. I'm trying to look for like, what is it the Lord wants me to to learn from this whole, you know, illness? You know, yep. is there something there? You know, and I don't want to just, I don't want to just, how can I say this without again sounding like I don't mean it but like I don't want to just get healthy and then just be like that was no big deal you know I want to remember throughout this it's pretty this... hard to look at that and say it's not a big deal right you know? but but I think you know as we move along in the world you know how it is it's like it's like we always want to go to the next thing you know where I want to try to be able to remember what it was that helped me along the way and also the people that helped me along the way but you know again the faith part of it was just was huge um you know and I was I was very happy from the perspective of I was able to share that with a lot of people that maybe people didn't know about it from me before or maybe they didn't um, they, they didn't realize how, how closely I felt about it or how I felt about it. And again, I'm not the type of person that's ever going to sit here and get on a pedestal and start preaching at you. But if I can at least share um, one of our friends, Rob Polinski from WEOL, I don't think he'd mind me saying this. He's like, I've read more scripture because of you in the last year just on your Facebook messages and your <laughs> tweets than ever before that's great. You know, I don't, I don't have a problem with that and I don't mind sharing that, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a big part of my life. And and again, I can't relay enough how important it is, um, how, how much, how much love we've been shown by our church family. And, you know, it's a, it's a bigger church. So sometimes you can get lost in the shuffle, but they've been there every step of the way. And it's been, it's been a really fulfilling, you know, year in that perspective. Well, it's just great to know that you're coming along well and and that 
that faith is, is such. It's part a, of it, yeah. A, 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 Matt left us all too soon. It was September 29th of 2021, a little bit more than one year ago. And I can certainly believe at this moment he is up there in the big house looking down quite fondly at what's been going on with the baseball team here in Northeast Ohio, the Guardians, and how well they have played this whole season, this team of overachievers and all the young kids on the roster. Uh, Matt spent a lot of his time at Progressive Field. He gamely continued to work even when his health was uh, at a very low ebb, if you will, but he was a very tenacious individual, someone that we all loved, and I certainly believe that he is looking down and enjoying the ride that the Guardians are on as we speak. But his memory, of course, will live on. That's it for Tellage Talks. We look forward to trying to get back with you each and every week as we continue along the path of having uh, conversations with people in the world of sports. And if you have any suggestions for us, you can easily email me at jrtellage at yahoo.com, jrtellage at yahoo.com. I'm open for suggestions and will certainly take any kind of information that you send along the way. In the meantime, have a great one, everybody. We look forward to talking to you once more on the next edition of Tellage Talks.